0: All right, well, chapter 11, we'll read this chapter in its entirety this morning. This is uh, the third friend, Zophar, Zophar uh, with his thoughts towards Job and his circumstances here. Verse 1 says Then answered Zophar the Naamathite and said, Should not the multitude of words be answered, and should a man full of talk be justified? Should thy lies make men hold their peace, and when thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed? For thou hast said, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in thine eyes. But, oh, that God would speak and open His lips against thee, and that He would show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are uh, double to that which is. Uh, Know, therefore, that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. Boy, those are strong words right there. Uh, canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is a high, it is high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what uh, canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he cut off and shut up or gather together, then who can hinder him? For he knoweth vain man, he seeketh wickedness also. Will he not then consider it? For vain man would be wise... Though man be born like a wild ass's colt, if thou prepare thine heart and stretch out thine hands toward him, if iniquity be in thine hand, put it far from put it far away, excuse me, and let not wickedness dwell in thy tabernacles. For then shalt thou lift up thy face without spot, yea, thou shalt be steadfast and shall not fear, because thou shalt forget thy misery and remember it as waters that pass away, and thine age shall be clearer than the noonday, Thou shalt shine forth, thou shalt be as the morning, and thou shalt be secure because there is hope. Yea, thou shalt dig about thee, and thou shalt take thy rest in safety. Also thou shalt lie down, and none shall make thee afraid. Yea, many shall Excuse me, many shall make suit unto thee. But the eyes of the wicked shall fail, and they shall not escape, and their hope shall be as the giving up of the ghost. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for, uh, Lord, the freedoms that we have to come and to gather together as your people here today. And So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to turn our attention to you and your word, and I pray that you would meet with us in a special way. Lord, as the word of God is uh, brought forth this morning throughout this facility, we pray that you just have your way in each and every heart. We thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that we would be yielding to what you'd have for us, and I pray that each one would get something from this Sunday school hour today, that would help us to be better servants for Thee. And we do praise You, Lord, for this day that You've given us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have Job's final friend here uh, that's going to offer some of his opinions of why Job is experiencing such adversity. And uh, I don't know for you, I, I have a I don't know what the right term is, a layman of layman's vocabulary and understanding and literature. And so there's some deep stuff in Job and just the, uh, the things that are here and just the type of language that's here. Uh, but it appears that Zophar withholds again what Job really needs, just a good comforting friend. Uh, again, they make allegations and assumptions about his condition and and whether he's right with God or not, and and, uh, just not a good friend. And uh, really, it just adds to Job's suffering. And when you're really going through it, you just want some comfort at times, do you not? Uh, You just want maybe a hug. You know, I I remember when I was a youngster, uh, more so. I have to admit it's happened a few times since I've been a grown man. But I've just enjoyed the hug of my mother. It was comforting. And, you know, sometimes we just need a friend to be like that. Listen, my mom doesn't have all the answers. She can't solve all my problems. But sometimes she's just there. And so, but Job's friends, (laughs) boy, they got some strong language. And and they're just not very helpful. Uh, And so... I mean, no doubt Zophar has listened to all the things that Eliphaz and Bildad have said, and and you might think that it's time for a little more compassion. You know, boy, you, would you think that the point has been made about Job's, their assumption of his condition? I mean, two people, the discourse that's taken place to this point, but but here he is. He's got some thoughts. Uh Boy, Job, he, he can't defend himself with a multitude of words. Uh, and, and just miserable. And the thing that really catches my attention here is in verse six it says, Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. We know that to be true in Christ. <laughs> By the grace of God, we all deserve hell. Uh, but when you're looking at these circumstances that Job's going through, they're they're they have a different perspective. Uh, they are making an assumption that he is now in sin and, and he's not living for God and he's not living right. And and boy, uh, listen, Job understands these things, uh, but he's just got some miserable friends that just continue to make allegations and assumptions and and provide their their philosophy or ideas on how God's working in their life and how presumptuous of of Zophor. He knows more than God. Listen, God's on the flip side of this thing. And and can you imagine our our Lord up in heaven that has allowed these things to take place in the life of Job? And these so-called friends are there to comfort. And their advice is, They think they know better than God. God knows the state of Job. God knows the condition of Job. And God has allowed these things in his life despite the fact that Job is living a godly life. Very presumptuous. Sometimes in our arrogance, we exceed our mental capacity and make allegations of someone. Listen, we have a very limited capacity. And I'm saying that to the smartest of y'all because I know I do. I'm very limited. As you can see that every week when I get up in front of you. Listen, we do not have the whole picture. Only God does. And, and I just couldn't help but think of as two people have gone before him, this guy comes up with basically the same argument. I think Job understands repentance and God's forgiveness and and he would turn to God at this point. But they just make the assumption, boy, this is the only way God works. You cannot be right with God. Uh, we need to be careful. And so God does have a limitless knowledge. And so, forth. course, God knows vain men. Uh, in verse 12, it says, For vain men would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass's colt. And as you look at some of these things, there's a lot of commentary on this, this idea here. And... Uh, One person says that uh, the idea of a a human being born of a donkey, I don't think that's really what it means. And here's what Matthew Henry says. The idea, uh, I think he kind of captures the idea of this verse. It says, he is a vain creature, empty so, the word is. God made him full, but he emptied himself, impoverished himself, and now he, a creature that has nothing in him, he is a foolish creature, he has become like the beast's, that perish, and he cites Psalm 49, 20, and, and Psalm 73, 22, but it says, an idiot. There's my language. I didn't know Matthew, I thought Matthew Henry was uh, more uh, eloquent than that, but it's in his commentary. An idiot, born like an ass, the most stupid animal, an ass's colt, not yet brought to any service. Has ever he come uh, to be good for anything? It is uh, owing to the grace of Christ. How true is that? Boy, but for the grace of Christ who once in the day of his triumph served himself by an asses colt, he, he is willful, ungovernable creature. An asses colt may be made good for something, but the wild asses colt, as is in our text, uh, will ever be reclaimed nor regards the crying of the driver. And I just thought that's a great description. I know what the context here is, four is, but boy, that's often our response to God. Sometimes we're just willfully ungovernable. Uh, we need to be careful, so he kind of resembles a prosperity preacher, does he not? That's what we hear oftentimes, boy, if, if you just do these things for God and and you 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 get on board, everything's going to be okay. There won't be any troubles in this life, and that's not there there's nothing further from the truth really uh. He tells Job what will happen if he would just repent of his sin. Look at verse 16, chapter 11. It says, Because thou shalt forget thy misery, and remember it as waters that pass away, and thine age shall be clearer than the noonday. Thou shalt shine forth, and uh, thou shalt be as the morning, and thou shalt be secure, because there is hope. Yea, thou shalt dig about thee, and thou shalt take thy rest in safety. Also thou shalt lie down, and none shall uh, make thee afraid. Yea, many shall make suit unto thee. Uh, Listen, he's just saying, hey, everything's going to be all right if you get right with God. But again, he doesn't have the whole picture. He's making the assumption that Job is not right with God. If thou prepare thine heart and stretch out thine hands toward him, this is verse 13, if iniquity be in thine hand, put it far away and let not wickedness dwell in thy tabernacles. For thou shalt lift thou, uh, lift thou, Excuse me, for then thou shalt thou lift up thy face without spot. Yea, thou shalt be steadfast, shalt not fear, because thou shalt forget thy misery, and remember it as the waters that pass away. Boy, Job, you just need to repent and get right with God. And everything's going to be okay. Listen, I've been in situations where I've felt that, boy, God, what have I done? God, show me, why is this taking place in my life? And I've come empty. Now listen, I've been in the opposite situation where something happens in my life and God says, hey stupid, this is exact you, you, this, you're facing this because you did such. I've been there. Lord help us. But I've also been in a place I think I can relate to Job a little bit, where, Lord, what have I done? And the reality is God's just allowing me to go through it. He wants me to be patient because he's working. And how, let's be careful how we help our friends. Right. Um, let's be careful. Listen, if there's sin, repentance is needed. Um, God can restore relationships and things. Uh, but there oftentimes are consequences. It, it, let me stay on task here. Uh, but so far, he continues and, and just... Says, if you repent. But as I mentioned, this is a contradiction of the truth. John sixteen thirty three. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. But in the world ye shall have tribulation. Everything's not always going to be good and sunny and in a beautiful day like today. There will be dark days. There will be difficulties. There will be tribulations. There will be affliction. Those things will come. And and I won't leave you without the latter part of verse 33 in John 16. It says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Listen, we're on the winning side in Christ. And hopefully that will make sense uh, here in a few moments. But we can never forget God's unfathomable purposes. And when we go through it, when we have a friend that's going through it, we need to remember that and emphasize that. Listen, we shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Listen, he has overcome anything that we face today. How, how fitting is this? I couldn't have lined this up with resurrection Sunday. I'm not smart enough, but we'll look at some things. Um, but Christ overcame death. Oftentimes, that's what we would say the worst thing that we could face in this life. Boy, death. Listen, in Christ, we are victors. <laughs> we will not die. Physically, our bodies will, if the Lord tarries and allows. But uh, I want you to understand, in Christ, we, we have life, eternal life. And so, I don't know what you're facing I don't know what your friends are facing that the Lord wants you to help and encourage. But don't forget to emphasize God's purpose in this life and how God does allow things to come in our lives that are difficult and upsetting uh, and challenging. Uh, verse 20 in, in Job 11 says this, but the eyes of the wicked shall fail and they shall not escape and their hope shall be as the giving up of the ghost. Uh, Zophore tells Job, the wicked shall fail and their only escape is death. Listen, death is our victory. <laughs> uh, boy, what, what an exciting thing to think about. I don't like being a loser. Um, do you guys, anybody watch local sports? Rapid City Marshals. So our neighbors, they go to Calvary Baptist, I believe it is, and, and they own a realty company, and they invited us to a football game last night, and so we went with them. The Rapid City Marshals are terrible. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They're terrible. Like, the quarterback's throwing it, and the wide receiver is just running straight. They didn't even look. I mean, they're not in sync. They're, they're, it's like they were on two different plays. And... Uh, They're they're terrible. It was not the most exciting place to be last night. Listen, we're on the winning side. Listen, we got something to rejoice about. We got something to shout about. Um, I don't care what you're facing. I don't care how hard it is. We sang that song, number two in our hymn books, When We See Christ. It'll be worth it all. <clears throat> Life gets hard. Life gets difficult. There are hurts. There are sicknesses. There are struggles. There are challenges. Families, listen, our closest people can forsake us. But one day it's going to be worth it all. Amen. It, it, the tempter is going to be gone. And we're going to see Christ. And listen, all those struggles that we face on this earth, I don't even think we're going to give one thought to it. I think of my mother-in-law often. Sorry, I'm going to get a drink because I'm crying. Sometimes you wonder why, Lord. But all I can think of is she's not wondering that. Boy, she's in the presence of the Savior Amen. Pleasures evermore. Let me try not to get too far ahead of my notes here. In chapter 12, Job kind of responds to Zophor and his allegations, and, and I think he kind of responds with a little bit of sarcasm. Uh, chapter 12, one and two, and Job answered and said, "No doubt, but ye are the pe- uh, no doubt, but ye are the people, and wisdom shall die with you." But I have understanding as well as you. I am not inferior to you. yea, who knoweth not such things as these? <laughs> Can you just hear Job saying, "I'm not an idiot. I understand these things. Um, Job gets it. He, he informs his three friends that he understands as they do. He's not inferior uh, to them. If anything, I think they're superior. Uh, he is superior to them. Uh, I know we don't compare ourselves among each other because we're we're spiritual. But um, Job says he's always lived right. His friends are laughing at him. Uh, it's easy for people to have that have no problems to be little or condemn those who do. I, the Bible doesn't tell us what these guys are going through at this point, and uh, but it's easy for us to point fingers at folks that are struggling when everything's good in our life. Look at me. Look what God's doing in my life. Things are great. Do what I'm doing. But the reality is that's not truth. How can his suffering indicate he is sinful? Evil doesn't exempt one from prosperity, does it? No, look at at these verses. Verse 4, I am as one mocked of his neighbor who called upon God and he answered him. And uh, the just upright man is laughed to scorn. He that is ready to slip with his feet as a lamp, despised the thought of him that is at ease. The tabernacles, verse six, the tabernacles of the robbers prosper and they that provoke God are secure into whose hand God bringeth abundantly. Listen, oftentimes we see the wicked prospering. And Job was like, wait a second here, you're telling me because I'm facing these things because I'm wicked. But there are people that we know that are wicked that appear to be prospering. That's contradictory to what his friends are trying to tell them. Albert Barnes says this, According to this, it means that there is security to the man who lives to provoke God, who is constantly bringing to him in abundance the tokens of kindness. This is the fact on which Job is insisting that God does not treat people in this world according to their real character but that the wicked are prospered and the righteous are afflicted at times. End quote. Listen, we can see the prosperity of the wicked at times. We need to be careful about that. How can his suffering indicate that he's sinful? Evil does not exempt one from prosperity. We don't find that in Scripture. We certainly don't find that as we observe this life. Some of the most wicked, evil people that we know are the wealthiest and richest, right? So to look at physical and material things alone is certainly not an accurate reflection of somebody's uh, spiritual condition. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works, Psalm 145.9. Listen, God allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Matthew 5.45, that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. We need to be careful. Sometimes we argue ourselves into a corner. And we put ourselves in a bad condition because we're making assumptions about somebody's life and and what they're facing. John thirteen seven says this, and this I think is probably the kicker. Jesus answered and said to him, "What I do, thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter." Listen, God maybe reveal this to us at a later time. Uh, we have no clue, oftentimes, of specific ways God is working in our life, even though we're living it. We want to know. Boy God, what is this why is this taking place? Why am I going through this? What, what are these circumstances for? What does it mean? Uh, hereafter he says, we will find out some things, not at this current time. In verses 13 through 22 in, in chapter 12, uh, job talks about the mysteries of God and his wisdom and he allows things to be destroyed and then rebuilt. Uh, look at verse 13, we'll read it with, With him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. Behold, he breaketh down, and it cannot be uh, built again. And he shutteth up a man, and there can be no opening. Behold, he withholdeth the waters, and they dry up. Also he sendeth them out, and they overturn the earth. With him is strength and wisdom. He, Or the deceived and the deceiver are his. He leadeth counselors away spoiled, and maketh the judges fools. He looseth the bond of kings, and girdeth their loins... Uh, With the girl, he leadeth princes away, spoiled, and overthroweth the mighty. He removeth away the speech of the trusty and taketh away the understanding of the aged. He poureth contempt upon the princes, and weakeneth the strength of the mighty. He discovereth deep things out of the darkness, and bringeth out to light the shadow of death. Uh, Listen, God works in ways that we don't understand. Uh, And we need to be careful, because sometimes we make assumptions that we do understand how God's doing things. Uh, but the more i learn of god the more i realize how much i don't know <laughs> you know and and how much of a how ignorant and, and foolish i can be in my assumptions and thoughts on god and and his word is is past finding out and and uh, but oftentimes we make the assumption that we know uh, and we also know that god can work things that the bonehead mistakes we do god somehow can turn that around to be good how does god do that what a blessing. In, in chapter 13, he continues to make it clear uh, the mystery of suffering and adversity are far more profound than his three friends are implying. Verses 1 through 3, Though mine eyes have seen all this, mine ear hath heard and understood it. What ye know, the same do I know. I am not inferior unto you. Surely I would speak to the Almighty, and I desire to reason with, uh, with God. But ye are forgers of lies, you're all physicians of no value. Well, you've come to comfort and to help me, and it's of no value. Uh, you guys are just fools, really. Oh, that you would all together hold your peace, and it should be your wisdom. Listen, you'd be wise, better off to just to keep your mouth shut, to, to hold your peace. Uh, be quiet for once. We all have that friend that can just stop talking. Brother George raised his hand. You self incriminated, brother. Um, but what I'm saying is sometimes people just think they always have the answer. And they feel the need to just share it. Listen, we would do well to be slow to speak. Uh, and sometimes we just need to be there. We talked about that before, as friends, when they sat in silence, were better. And more comforting than when they open their mouth. Uh, <clears throat> I better move along here. In chapter 14, I want to focus on some things and just maybe try to tie a bow on today's thoughts. In verse 14, Chapter 14. And of course, we know that Zoford made his comments and Job is making comments uh, back to him. But um, if a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. The question of life if a man die, will he live again? Uh, Job talks about the hope of a tree. Uh, that is cut down, and it, it sprouts again, and it's waters, and it has branches. And uh, he contrasts that where he he says, if a man dies, can he can he come back? Will he be alive again? And I know we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but scholars don't necessarily agree about when Job lived. I believe it was probably post-flood, before the law was given. Um, <clears throat> but really, there there's no... Definitive, I couldn't find one, Um, probably before 1750 B.C. Uh, So this is at least 3,000 years uh, after Job asked that question, Jesus gives the definitive answer to his question. In John chapter 11, and verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And listen, I just want to remind you, we serve a God that has overcome death and hell. Um, He is the resurrection. He is the life. And what a blessing. And, And so, listen, I just want to encourage you today. And like I said, I couldn't have, I didn't know Job was going to ask this question on, was it the ninth? I didn't line this up to be on today. Um, And I don't know what you all are facing. I talked to some of you. And I know people are facing difficult things in life. People are facing death. Family members. Health problems that make us concerned for our death like we never were before. Because we're all healthy. But when those things come up, you start thinking about it a little bit more. But Christ is the answer to Job's question. Listen, if you don't know Christ, I urge you to turn to Him today. In Christ, we shall not die. We will not be a part of the second death in Christ. And you guys can't see it, because I'm from the Northwest, but I'm running around the auditorium right now. I I don't know, (laughs) you know... What an exciting thing to know. I was sitting in that seat last night at the Marshalls game thinking, you know, it's the third quarter. These guys are down. It was like 36 to six or something. And uh, I think it ended up, and they scored one more touchdown. It was 12 to 36 by the end of it. And I think they're, oh, in whatever, how many games, they're they're complete losers for the season. But um, I was just sitting there thinking, this is it's my first Rapid City Marshalls game. Eh, 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 eh. And all I could help but think is, the other team, Iowa City, Iowa, Sioux City, Iowa, the Bandits, they're called. All those players were dancing and having a great time on the sideline. They were enjoying it. Sydney was like, well, you, they're winning because they have morale. And I said, well, it's easy to have morale when you're winning. <laughs> Listen, we ought to be excited about what God has done in our life. If you're in Christ today, you won't face death. Somebody said the worst thing they can do is send me to heaven. Do we believe that? And I know life is more complicated than that, only because we complicate it. If God took me out, He can take care of my family. But I consume myself sometimes, oh, how is my family going to be taken care of if I'm not here? Listen, do I believe God? And we might look at some of this tonight, but, you know, the Apostle Paul said for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Listen, are you committed to living for Him while you're here? It'd be easy to go home. But God hasn't called us. And so we ought to be here laboring and serving Him for me to live as Christ. Listen this morning, you're on the winning side if you're in Christ. Psalm 1611, this is what I consider my life verse. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. Amen. Listen, there is no other place to be but at the right hand of God, whether it's in glory or if it's right here. Amen. The world's going to lie to you and tell you everything's good. And I'm going to close with this verse, Romans eight eighteen. For I reckon... That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. When we see Christ, oftentimes the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur, and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away, all tears forever over in God's eternal day. Here's what the refrain says It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ.